Hi, and welcome back to At the Devil's Ball, where we try to talk about film in a constructive, uh, positive manner. Uh, we're both lifelong horror fans, so we tend to stick to those depths mainly. Um, this month, we're still going on with our uh, David Lynch retrospective. Uh, right now, we have the 1997, uh, kind of one of his lesser films. People don't really talk about it as much. Uh, Lost Highway. Right. Uh, so joining me, I'm Sam Al, and joining me as always is co-host and founder of The Feet, uh, Nathaniel Johnson. How are you doing tonight, man? I'm doing well, doing well. So yeah, we're uh, doing, I feel like this was a pretty big deal back when it came out, and then it just kind of went away after that. Yeah, um, I guess. I mean, aside from yeah. a couple of scenes that people still talk about now, but it doesn't really, you know, the the mystery man himself being creepy as hell yeah um yeah. and i feel like it's one of his more dated films as well it really feels mid, you know late to mid 90s um with the yeah. soundtrack the soundtrack and just the style is very you know of that time the kind of industrial goth metal kind of yeah yeah thing going on to it yeah um it's which it's, is weird because you know the main character i'm sorry uh, well, the main character is you know a jazz musician and then they put all this uh <laughs> this you know nine inch nails type stuff in there yeah yeah it's it's a, it's an interesting film for sure um i guess before we unpack that do we want to just do the vital stats real quick and then we'll yeah let's let's get there. that so we can just start okay. running sure uh so uh major uh major cast here we've got bill pullman and patricia arquette and uh, uh robert loja um uh hawk Ox, ox. Um, we've got uh, Balthazar Getty. Mm -hmm. uh, we've got uh, Natasha Gregson Wagner. Um, I'm trying to find the the Mr. Ma Robert Blake as the mystery man. Yes. Uh, also, I think I've seen him known as the powder faced man. Right. Got little bit parts by a whole bunch of people. Uh, uh, we've got uh, uh, Gary Busey. Mm -hmm. We've got uh, Giovanni Ribisi. We've got. Uh, Henry Rollins, we have uh, uh, Richard Pryor, uh, yeah, his last his, role, his last role, and then we've got Jack Nance, uh, also sadly his last role. Yes, yeah, uh, and then uh, we probably we probably shouldn't talk much about him anymore. But uh, Marilyn mm -hmm. Manson has a little yeah. deal in this film. Uh, yeah, Twiggy Twiggy Ramirez as well. I yeah, had Twiggy some uh, allegations a couple of years ago, so let's not talk about him either. Yeah. <laughs> Um, uh, we forgot Michael Massey as uh, Andy. Yes. Uh, also, kind of one of the major players, major minor in the middle. Doesn't yeah. have very many lines, but he's he's in a lot of it. He's in a lot of yeah. He's in in the sense of like this movie's basically around like three characters, four characters, right? You know, and uh, but yes, Michael Massey, the great uh, character actor, passed away I believe last year. Yes. Um, known as you know for being kind of a weird creepy guy. In, right. uh, in, uh, in his films as, uh, as a character actor. I think his, big, his first big role for people our age was probably in The Crow, you know? Yeah, probably. Um, yeah, he was also in Seven. He mm -hmm. had that uh, one-off scene in Seven um, as the guy in... The God, what a one-off scene, though. Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, uh, yeah, talking to Brad Pitt. Yep. Do you like the things you see here? No. No, I don't. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, that's, uh, that's Michael Massey. Um, and of course, obviously, the film was directed by David Lynch. He uh, wrote screenplay. Uh, we've got returning Angelo Badalamente. Who does oh, he wrote it with uh, 
He wrote it with Barry Gifford, who Barry uh, Gifford. wrote the uh, the novels that Wild at Heart was based off of. Yep. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's basically all the, the real major players. We've got a few other, uh, there's a couple other people here and there, but uh, mm-hmm. um, Henry Rollins, I didn't mention him. He does have a pop. He pops up in there. Um, playing Henry Rollins, basically. Basically playing Henry Rollins. Um, but yeah, as you mentioned, this one was obviously it was very, I think I've even read as much that it's very inspired by the goth industrial right. movement. Um, and uh, wrote it very much supposedly like, like while filming it like had the soundtrack like on his headphones while shooting scenes right um so this is sort of like david lynch's like one big music video right um in a lot of ways um i agree with you i think it's 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 probably it's probably my least favorite lynch piece um it's also the movie i think the only lynch film that i can't really figure out what the hell is going on in it um, yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's. I think it's his most opaque film, and I mean, like, literally, I think most people would say Inland Empire, but actually, Inland Empire. I just just watched Inland Empire last night, and it uh, it actually makes makes a lot more sense than I thought it did. Um, yeah. Versus uh, uh, Lost Highway, which uh, I watched with my with my girlfriend just the other night. We were like, uh, and I was like, "What do you think is going on?" She's like, "Fuck yeah!" So <laughs> I have both- a working theory, but we'll get into that. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I would say I would agree that this is probably his most confusing film um, because uh, I, I there's not really a special edition of this movie out, so you can't really see delete, deleted scenes and stuff. But I feel like there was some connective tissues that was just excised. I think one um, very major scene is not here, and uh, I don't know if it's if it was ever filmed. I don't know if mm-hmm. it's, like the narrative just was incomplete. Right. But uh, what happened to Pete that right. night? is not in the film and i feel like it's the yeah movie. i they 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 filmed this the scene where that happened as i heard i heard at least that they filmed the scene that happened and then they used it for that you know those couple of shots right um but never actually played the scene um, where apparently the other, other, ripped apart uh, uh, yeah we'll, we'll get into that yeah, um, so yeah. so basically we have my idea of what this film's about sure. we'll, we'll go back to see what your idea of what's it about because this sure. Again, Lynch is all about the uh, the differences of uh, how you yeah. how you view things. Right. Um, this, if you want to boil it down to just absolutely nothing, this is a guy who's you know uh, a, a kind of a rock star, but he's a jazz musician. But he it's obviously like it's a rock concert. He, they show him playing a long, long intro. Yeah, which is not a, not an intro, a solo. I'm sorry. Um, which is funny because it's it's the part of the show where you don't play with your band, you're just playing with yourself. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, so he goes back to his, you know, his beautiful wife, and he's unable to, we'll say, fulfill her needs. And she kind of pats him on the back in a very condescending fashion. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think that's what gets the whole ball rolling. It's just you know the sense of inadequacy leading to to rage, leading to you know wanting to get her under his control and you know he also goes to this party and sees you know michael massey basically fucking her in the middle of the party um, yeah and it kind of snowballs for there from there um and then we'll get into the you know the actual meat and potatoes of how the film played out but is that kind of a the setup that you were thinking of yeah yeah his, yeah. His, yeah i mean yeah uh fred fred's inability to uh to have sex Right. And there's also an emotional and physical distance between the two of them as well. I mean, they show 
they show yeah. you know them sitting on the couch, but they're sitting on you know opposite ends of the couch. They're not really. No, yeah, uh, it's the first time I watched it this week. Going going into it, um, I hadn't watched it. In, I don't know since I bought the Blu-ray a few years ago. Yeah, and I was thinking, man, you know, Bill Pullman is just doing another Bill Pullman, no energy, no uh, no style kind of performance that he does a lot, where he's just low energy, he just kind of mumbles everything. And then you know, by the time I got halfway through, I'm like, oh no, this is uh, this actually works for the performance because they're not they don't have chemistry. They're not supposed to have chemistry. No. No. <laughs> No. Uh, yeah. Like the, the, the chemistry here, you know, watch it. You know, the chemistry here is all just wrong. There's no chemistry at all. And I'm like, oh, wait, that's the idea. That's the idea. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, he uses, uh, and Lynch uses very, uh, uh, in fact, I actually would argue the, the first act of this film is the only thing that really works for, uh, for most of the film. But I mean, he uses, again, with. I would the, agree. I would agree. That I like all three acts, um, yeah. but I don't like them together, <laughs> if that makes sense. Right. Um, but I mean, Lynch uses a uh, specific technique in the first uh, act to, to really much tell, tell a story that I don't think he does at, at, all, at any other point in the film. Right. Um, uh, one of the things I noticed immediately was uh, that the living room is, is beige. Like yes. It's a very neutral, grayish beige color, mm-hmm. uh, which is very unlike Lynch. He doesn't do mm-hmm. that. Um, and the only real color in their apartment is in the bedroom, which is red, which of course is danger color for like, David Lynch. Right. Um, and the back, the, the back side of the hallway is is as well. Yeah, yeah well, there's a it's a red curtain that leads right. into the room, and then the headboard of the bed itself is red. Right. Um. And so you have this idea that like they they're living in this sort of pointless life, and the only place where their relationship is supposed to come alive is in the bedroom. Right. But he can't get it up. Yeah, and then he kills her in in said bedroom. Uh, uh, if we're to take the film literally. If um, yeah, if he kills her. Um, right. but yeah, it's the idea that he, um, is, is becoming increasingly more and more, uh, uh, suspicious of her, right. that she's finding sexual, uh, gratification elsewhere. And, uh, and his own anger at himself is, is of course then, uh, externalized towards her. Right. Um, but you're right. The the bat the back pat is of course uh, particularly that they're there. Um, right. Uh, in particular, is a good thing. I had actually noticed. I was also like, I don't I don't know if there's two actors I would like to have see have sex less. Patricia <laughs> Arquette. Um, right. I'm not a Patricia Arquette fan. I, I think she's a pretty limited actress. Um, um, yeah, I liked her in this and uh, was she in True Romance? I think she. I that was that probably the one performance I can yeah. that I really liked her in. Right. True Romance. Um, and then Bill Pullman is just such a, a, a relatively bland actor that I'm just like, okay, I right. really need to see him make love. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, but again, I think that works for the film in a way because we're right. talking about you know a couple that doesn't work. Right. Um, but we, well, we very... talked about the layout of the apartment, um, and yeah. I think um, we mentioned the living room being beige, the red, the bedroom being you know red, the danger yeah. color, the uh, the place where stuff's supposed to happen, and things do happen but not the stuff that's supposed to happen in a bedroom right. <laughs> um uh but we did talk about the hallway because i think hallways are really important in these film in this film as well yeah because um, basically every time he goes down a hallway it seems to me like that's when the shit starts happening that's when he starts to cross over into fantasy or right unreality or a different reality or however he... well first of all let's let's uh 
let's talk about what do you think this is? Is this different realities? Is this different stories mashed together? Or is this different aspects of uh, Fred? I, I, I'm not sure. Um, I, think, I think what we're looking at, and I think Lynch is very, very specifically doing this, um, mm-hmm. is uh, it's like a Mobius strip. Right. Or, or a Burris. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, that the idea is the beginning is the end, the end is the beginning. Um, right. You know, I don't feel like I, that part of it's pulled off very well. Uh, but no, yeah. No. But the idea I've is. I've done a lot have, better. Yeah. But the idea is we have uh, a world that I think is, is repeating itself in some right. fashion. The only, the only problem with any theory I can come up with with this film is that something comes along and makes it not entirely accurate. Yeah, yeah. I wrote down several different theories on my notes and crossed yeah. each of them out in succession of a second watch through because I'm like, well, that doesn't really fit. So I mean, I would believe I would buy into like Pete's story once once mm-hmm. Fred becomes Pete. Right. Um, that I would buy into that as being sort of his backstory, right. um, and being remembered because he has the very important line of saying, I, I, I don't. He doesn't photograph anything. He doesn't film anything. Because he wants to remember. Right, he doesn't like camcorders. He likes to remember things his own way. He might remember things the way he remembers them, right. not exactly the way they happen. Yeah. And so I would be able to willing to buy that that it was sort of like his backstory and this is maybe how like they met. Right. And but the problem with that is that the film is completely linear. Right. It goes in a straight line. Um, and so like there's all these little things that I'm like, well, what's going on here? And I, I so I mean I think there's something to the idea of a Faustian bargain being made. Mm-hmm. Um. Where, where Fred has made a deal at some point right. to get his revenge. What he got out of that isn't clear. It's also possible that there's some sort of purgatorial element that Fred is already a sinner. Right. Uh, Pete is already a sinner. They're just caught, the, all these sinners are caught up in this sort of uh, repetition. Right. Yeah, um, I, think, I think that's probably pretty accurate, especially with the opening and ending on, on the literal lost highway. Um, yeah. They've somehow been, you know, shunted over someplace else right. to their, uh, because I, again, one of the things, one of the points of this movie is that nobody's a good person. It's another right. Has no, uh, and something I noted as well, that unlike any other David Lynch film, there is no moment of safety in this film. No, and there's no, um, this one isn't, doesn't have, an, have much in the way of like hopefulness. There's usually some no. joy or some hopefulness in, in at least one of the characters uh, here and there. Usually through this one is very, completely out, you know. Yeah. Usually, in, in the sense of like any other David Lynch movie, like uh, Pete dancing with uh, Natasha Gregson Wagner's character mm-hmm. would like have a soft pinkish color, and right. uh, Julie Cruz would be, would be know, playing, <laughs> yeah, you know, would be singing, uh, right. uh, you know, a love song that's bittersweet and stupid about. I mean, they did, far. they did do uh, a couple of just partial scenes but they turned real fast into it and you know like when, she, when he first uh when pete first sees alice yeah. you know they're playing lou reed's cover of this magic moment and it's kind of sweet but then it, the wheels fall off real quick yeah and then at the end um when they're you know making love in the desert um they have that enya type song i can't remember i didn't write down who oh, it i think was, it's but... i think it's rebecca del rio again um, but I'm not certain. I don't think so because I remember seeing that it was a song that he wanted to use for Blue Velvet, the scene where they're dancing. Oh, okay. But he couldn't get the rights to it. He came back. He, he just had it in his head ever since then. Doesn't matter who, who the song was by, I guess. Um, mm. But yeah, there's there's a moment of you know of sweetness and light in there, especially with the choice of the soundtrack. And then you know all of a sudden it it, it slips away again. It, yeah. And then it turns into probably you know the most brutal moment psychically for Pete or or. 
yeah. Fred where she's like, you can never have me. Yeah, he says, I want you. And she says, right. you can never have me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, For me, I think I think this is all like, you know, disassociative identity disorder kind of thing or, or you know, a psychometric, uh, psychological fugue state thing where mm-hmm. he's, I, I think I think he did kill his wife. I think he did go to jail, you know, was on death row for it. Yeah. Um, and I think he just kind of started disassociating with himself and making up these fantasy worlds like like when he's Pete. But the reality keeps creeping back in. Mm. Um, and in this this metaphor, I guess it would make the mystery man would be the reality that keeps trying to break back in. Um, he's the one who keeps coming up and, you know. Yeah telling him how it is showing up showing him the camera which you know we've established that that's supposed to at least in this film be probably the real world how things really are no things really happened right yes um so i think it kind of works like that but they like we said you know the three different aspects of this film don't really jive together close enough to to line up on you know one specific theory i don't think right yeah um but yeah i mean so yeah basically what happens of course in the film is uh, Fred goes. Fred is is arrested for killing brutally his killing his wife. Brutally I mean, there's, it's kind of weird because I actually did pause it and look at the scene, you know, where she's you know just in, everywhere in pieces in the bedroom, and I'm like, yeah. how did he even do that? Right. Uh, you know, another film would have put a giant, you know, fireman's axe on the middle of the bed or something, but you know, you don't yeah. actually even see the murder weapon. She's just there in pieces. Yeah. Uh, and then he goes literally there, ends up on death row. Right. And while on death row, transforms into Balthazar Getty, like literally transforms right. into Balthazar Getty. Um, to the point where they let him out of jail because he's right. not Fred Madison. Uh, I don't think, see, that's the thing. I don't know if those, if the parts where they're talking about his character where he's not there, I don't think those are supposed to be literal either. I think he's just imagining those as well. Because hmm. um, that's really the only way that any of this could make any sense is if he's just making up those parts of the story himself as well. He never really got out. He's just always been in the jail cell, and he just imagines it. Yeah, but what the, what's the point of Mr. Eddie then? I mean, like, because well, he's the um, he's Mr. Eddie. I feel like, and also Andy, um, the, the same way. I I think that you know they're the ones that are corrupting Renee or Alice in his mind. They're the ones that are taking his dream of this woman and, and turning it into something that he can't have because he can't really face up to the fact that you know a that she's a person she's never really a person in this which kind of sucks yeah uh and b you know that you know whatever is happening in the relationship isn't because of you know someone outside of it it's because of them right one way or the other right see i would i would buy that if Mm -hmm. if he didn't turn into balthazar gay (laughs) right right and that's what Um, i'm saying it's it's, yeah like if it was just him you know um i would i would be like okay uh and then he's just imagining things right. or if mr eddie had been established in any way shape or form in the first act right i might believe that um or even any indication that he exists uh in fact when we well i mean they film, do kind of est- dead. they right i was gonna say they do kind of establish later on that he exists because you know the loop is that you know in this he says dick Laurent, but they're out you know the when we get to know this character he's mr eddie right um, and Alice is not Alice anymore. Right. No. Uh, or she's Renee. No, Renee Alice. is now Alice. She, Renee is now Alice. Right. Yeah. Um, which is basically means the Fred Pete character is the only one played by two different people. Right. Very strange. Um, 
which is it, it's a it's a weird asymmetrical thing like it doesn't really work out like yeah um and uh so i mean it's it's just it's a really weird film um so i'm not sure i buy the the uh fantasy imagination thing as much as mm. I, I i would buy some form of faustian hell right um where everybody's locked together in this cycle that will never end um and that the mystery man is is uh, ostensibly uh i don't even know if he's the devil but i mean i'm thinking along yeah, the lines of the mystery man lines up, the mystery man sort of lines up with like the man behind winkies right or uh or the phantom in inland empire which we'll talk about um another time but right. uh like these weird borderline supernatural entities that exist in like shacks and shit like they don't yeah apparently right. they're all their magic powers they don't build themselves nice houses they uh they live in in weird squalor um i mean because if you take that you know fred is the the real character and pete is the unreal character the alternate character um then you know this, this mystery man is kind of the the linking tissue the yeah the, the bridge between whatever these two stories are, he's, he's the bridge between them. So it's obviously a key part. So it's, right. yeah, what do we think? The, well, so I mean, is that something is. must have happened. I mean, they, they more, they do pretty much establish the mystery man was seen the night, whatever happened to Pete happened. Right. There was a man with him. He was weird. Um, they saw him, something happened to him. Mm. Um, and, uh, and Natasha Gregson and Wagner's character, who I probably should learn the name of. Um, Sheila. Outright. Yes, Sheila. Uh outright tells uh tells him he'd been acting weird prior to mm, that. Right. So there seems to be an idea that Pete must have done something to get right. involved in all of this. Um we Well do... then Pete shows up, he's got a you know, head <coughs> he looks like he's been shot in the head almost. Um Yeah. And we see that his his friends are kind of near to wells. So I mean like uh we certainly get the impression that Pete But they're kinda like, you know, this is that that's really the only part that really get comes off like 50s ish um yeah. there's a lot of the 50s and lynch's movies mm-hmm. and aside from uh jack nance listening to uh fred's solo right. on the radio um right. that you know fred uh, jack nance looks like an old greaser um and these these kids look like you know like the kind of yeah ne'er-do-wells that you would see in like you know a knockoff a rebel without a cause right <laughs> right um, so, I mean, my, my, my assumption seems to be that Pete's having a story that we're not seeing that's happening concurrently right. to Fred's. And that's what makes it more confusing is because we don't ever get to see what, what was the inciting incident in, in Pete's existence. Right. Um, we get to see that little flash of it, you know, where he disappears and everybody's on the lawn screaming at him, you know. Yeah he disappears into a bluish light like uh, Bill Pullman does a couple times. Um, but yeah, we never get to see like the backstory of, well, how did he get that wound? You know, how is this, right. how did he get linked to, they're obviously linked in some way, but how did, how did they become linked? Well, I mean, there's the other uh, concept too, is that we do know the mystery man knows exactly who Renee is. Mm-hmm. We'll see that when, when he confronts uh, at the shack in the middle of the woods, he, uh, right. in the little desert. He runs into uh, uh, he's tra- changed back into Fred by that point, right? But um, when Fred says, "Where is uh, where is Alice?" Right. 
And he says, no, her name is Renee. She told you her name is Alice. She's lying. Right. Um, and uh, we see in like flashbacks and stuff, the mystery man was, was there at the porn parties mm-hmm. where Renee was is becoming involved with Mr. Eddie. At that, and then mystery man ends up uh, being an accomplice to Fred when Fred kills Mr. Eddie. Right. He hands him the knife. Yeah. Um, and well, then he shoots, and then him, shoots him. Yeah. Yeah. The mystery man. So the other theory would be that uh, that actually the target is Mr. Eddie, right? And uh, Mystery Man is 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 orchestrating events to make sure Mr. Eddie dies. And that's why um, that, especially that scene in particular where he, they finally kill Mr. Eddie, yeah. um, makes me feel like um, that maybe the Mystery Man is another aspect of Fred slash Pete. Because, maybe um, because, like you know, I guess like you know. Uh, Fred would be the ego. Uh, Pete would be the id, and you know, Mr. the mystery man would be like the super ego. He's the connective tissue. He's the decision maker. Um, because yeah, that part where he kills, you know, he shoots Mr. Eddie in the head after handing Bill Pullman the knife. Yes. Um, this guy has always been hands off. He's always been, you know, he's been chasing him with the camcorder in a couple scenes, but you know, he's all he's always been not an active force. And then all of a sudden he, he's the one who kills like what you would call the final boss. <laughs> right. It's kind of strange. Well, that's what I mean is that's why uh, wouldn't be uh, give, I, the job would be given to Bill Pullman's character. If I'm, Pete. if I'm, if, if uh, to follow, to follow my uh, thought process to, to his logical conclusion would be if, if the mystery man is akin to the man behind Winkies. Right. Or, um, uh, or the phantom, you know, an empire. Right. Um, who are, capable of doing things that Mr. Eddie is that mystery man wants Mr. Eddie slash Dick Loren dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that the line he has where he says, you know, when a man is condemned to death, he, you know, he's brought to a place where he can't escape, but never knows when the mm-hmm. it's going to come. He's not talking to uh, Pete. He's talking to Mr. Eddie. Or how about, or how about this? Um, the mystery man and Dick Laurent's, are at the end of their journey that uh, the mystery man and uh, Fred are just beginning. He's, he's finished corrupting Eddie, Mr. Eddie Dick Laurent into the baddest version of himself. Whereas uh, like Bill Pullman character or, or Balthazar's Eddie's characters, he's just, he's just starting mm. with them. Like, well, I think that Mr. Eddie, that's what we like, like it's a master and apprentice of, of the Sith or something, you know, where it's like, oh, I've, I found a new one. <laughs> you know? I don't know. I feel like that's, that's still reaching. I think that. Yeah. Means, anything we come up with, I feel like is going to feel like a reach because not I mean, everything is going to line up. And again, the logical conclusion that I've, I'm coming to is that um, Renee in some way belongs to the mystery man in a way that maybe, uh, and uh, she's been trying to escape him. Right. And so this is all about the mystery man maintaining control over Renee. Um, you know, he seems to know who she is. He seems to be upset with her. So Renee might be akin to them. Another, another man behind Winkies. Um, yeah. And, but the idea is to me seems to, to ultimately that the plot of the movie is mystery man needs to, wants to kill Mr. Eddie slash Dick Laurent for right. his involvement with Renee. Um and therefore, he finds a couple of these sinners to point in their direction. Mm-hmm. And he right. points Fred and Pete. And the only way to get Fred where Fred needs to be is to, is to turn him into Pete. Use right. him as a proxy so that he gets out of jail. 
Yeah, and that and they all kind of look the same too. It's it's they look like all alternate versions. Like the first time I was watching this yeah. this week, uh, I, I started working under the theory that maybe uh, Fred and Pete and the Mystery Man are just like different aspects of the whole like they're the triune god <laughs> and, right uh because they all kind of have like similar hair hairstyles uh mm. and just diff- it'd be like a like a male version of you know the the maiden the mother and the crone um <laughs> in, in a way yeah 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 um, i suppose but let's let's dig it on the mystery man because i'm not sure we've really figured out at least i haven't figured out um mm. where at what point and in what way did did uh, Fred and then also uh, Pete um, invite him in? Well, it would have happened prior. The first time. Right. Yeah. Well, um, I don't know. I don't know because I feel like outside of Pete's story, which we never get the beginning of, we kind of do get a beginning of uh, Fred's story because he starts it off by mm. by saying into his own intercom that, you know, Dick Laurent is dead, but also, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense because the cops are after him for the murder at that exact moment. By the, <laughs> right, by the time, right. That's what I mean is that we ultimately but are... The inside of the house and the outside of the house are in different times, apparently, uh, for that to be for well, that to happen. So where, at what point did he invite the mystery man into his home? That's what I'm saying. Like, was this, Do you think it was previous to when the movie started? Yeah, or I think, I think Fred's already... By the time we meet Fred and Pete, mm-hmm. for that, for that yeah. matter, they're already, uh, they're already trapped in whatever right. whatever uh, or a Burick life they're stuck in they just don't remember uh, yeah right and the mystery man has already has them um like i said i think that is more like to again to, to use that theory of what this is about is mystery man killing mr eddie um right. would be um is the idea that he finds a couple of it's like freddie versus jason like freddie went into hell Right, Jason, the dude was dirty work. Uh, that the mystery man already had these two schmucks that he already <laughs> right. fucked over or have already fucked themselves over, right? Uh, with their behavior and set them upon it. The other idea would be again to use the whole hell, uh, uh, purgatorial concept is everybody in the damn film is already over here, right? Some weird reality, yeah. I kind of, I kind of dig that version of events where, where they're already it's already a done deal, everybody's um, being punished. Yeah. Right, um, because and it feels odd to say, but I feel like it's not a better movie, mm. but it was done better. Yeah. Like the concept was done better in um, God help me, Hellraiser Inferno. Yeah. Right, <laughs> um, right. Uh, which I I'll stand by that movie as a good Hellraiser movie, but you know if y'all want to find bad. me, you can find me. Yeah. No, I I, um, I don't. I certainly don't think it's a bad movie. Yeah. Right. Um, or it's. Or if it's like, you know, a, a split personality kind of thing, it was done better in, a, in an equally good movie, uh, Fight Club, a couple years later. Sure. Um, so, yes, it just feels like this one's not finished. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. And especially with it, the novelist helping uh, write, write it along <clears throat> with him, I, I felt like that was kind of a disappointment. Well, it's like, it's it's one of the weird, it's, it's the, the weird thing about Lost Highway, too, is also like, it's, Maybe with the exception of Inland Empire, this is easily Lynch's most self-indulgent film. I, uh, yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, I mean, like, there's he's clearly just doing kind of whatever he wants to. And, and this is this is the step between uh, Firewalk with Me and and Mulholland Drive, where yeah, he 
it feels like yeah maybe he's trying different something out something different here um trying to figure out what his next his next idea is going to be and maybe this was just like a half off idea well i feel like yeah and i mean we did them out of order but i feel like if you watch if, if you actually took it to the idea of like lost highway mulholland drive and inland empire right as uh, sort of sense. yeah as sort of like the trilogy of yeah triptych yeah you know the uh, the identity uh identity is fluid uh right. you know the wall between realities is fluid mm-hmm. uh you can end up wherever uh each one of them has the uh me, the only other, the only other supernatural, vaguely supernatural entity that shows up in a Lynch film besides these is Bob, right? In well, uh, that's the other thing. Um, I did, I guess, in an interview, and I couldn't find the original interview. I just heard people reference it. Um, yeah. Lynch had said at one point that this take this takes place in the same universe as Twin Peaks, and I'm like, no, it doesn't. <laughs> I don't know what you're uh, talking about. I think, but in could, that, but in yeah. that. And I was trying to figure that one out, and I, I couldn't quite grasp what he was going at there, other than everything in David Lynch's work could take place in the same universe because they're all I've always, the same. Yeah. I've always thought that was the case. Yeah. Right. Uh, I mean, ultimately at the end of the day, Lost Highway, much like Mulholland Drive or, uh, or Inland Empire, or even Twin Peaks is taking something that's more or less still more or less grounded in reality. Mm-hmm. And then, and just adding, I always think of that. I can't for the life of me now I'm blanking. Adding on, more adding, wind. He always talks about the wind being mystery, and he says so. He'll be like, "Add more wind," you know. Yeah, I forget who said it, and I, for whatever reason, I'm blanking on it. But it was like, um, uh, basically, the, the 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 long and short of the quote would be uh, sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic, right? Like, if you, not, I uh, think that was Asimov, but it doesn't doesn't matter. I know what you're talking. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure it wasn't Asimov. Okay, I don't maybe it was Clark. But Clark. um, could yeah. have Clark. Yeah. Uh, but the the but my my thought process is what David Lynch is doing is taking a very relatively grounded in reality story mm-hmm. in any of these films, and then just saying, by the way, here's some magic, and that magic, if you act, if you saw it, real magic in our world, it would make no sense whatsoever. Right. It's the complete antithesis of reality. Um, and so basically all he's doing is adding this one guy to say, uh, abracadabra right in the middle of, uh, of what is basically a, a murder mystery slash, uh, noir, yeah. noir, uh, you know, um, gangster movie. Right. And then saying, by the way, here's this weird magical element where a guy turns into another guy. Right. And there's another version of. Because that's the other thing too is they they at one during Pete's story they sort of established that Renee and Alice are different people and then they say no they're not. Um, hmm? I'm sorry. Oh, right, they they more or less establish Renee and Alice as two different people and then oh two different people okay and then they say no they're not right um, even though we see a picture with both of them we, in the same picture but then we see the picture later and there's only one mm-hmm. when the right so keeps going the police are doing so which again leads me back to the idea that Renee is is something isn't really like this is the hell for three men who all think they own her and that so i mean i just i think yeah, that I think, makes the most sense is that right. i think the whole point of this is is probably that you know that you just can't trust reality i mean we establish mm-hmm. at the beginning that he doesn't like camcorders because he likes to you know remember things his own way and then we, by the end of the movie, we as viewers are trying to figure out what the hell's going on, but we can't trust the person telling the story, whether it be Lynch or, or Fred. Yeah. Because they're not telling us 
either the entirety of the story story or the truth. Right. It's an unreliable narrator either way. Sure. Um, I think the so maybe that's the point. Maybe that's, yeah. you know, he's just like, you know, he wanted to put some dreamy stuff in there and he, it yeah. turned out it didn't make a whole lot of sense. He's like, it doesn't matter. It's, you know, I'll just talk about consciousness again <laughs> in this right. movie like I have, you know, a hundred yeah. times. Yeah. I mean, uh, well, I mean, we have a, there's a very key theme that we haven't really touched on yet, which is the idea of, um, of masculine control. Right. Um, that which is the inciting be, incident of this entire plot, it seems yep. like. Yeah. Well, it spreads the idea that he, you know, he owns her, but he can't really do anything about it. And uh, Pete uh, thinks he owns her, you know, um, and then Mr. Eddie literally thinks he owns her. Um, that the idea is that, to, again, if you really want to, I think, to break down the most logical plot variation would be, is, again, that purgatorial hell thing of these three right. men who are uh, connected by this one woman that they all believe they control. And but they also is, all they, believe that she's, you know, manipulating them. Right. And, then, way, and yeah. maybe she is. Right. Uh, and that's what I mean. If it is, if it is a hell hellscape or a purgatory thing, it's that she is an agent of that. Right. And, and that's why uh, I referred to her as not being like a real character because no. I don't think she's ever played as such. She's always the femme fatale or, or yes. the, or the cheating, the cheating wife. Um, yeah. And that feels like some some sort of blame that he's assigning. It doesn't it doesn't sit right with me if that's just her character. Uh, well, I mean, I think what you're listing off, however, is still noir. Trope. Yeah, right. And uh, and so I mean that to a degree, if we're talking about some sort of hellish punishment, mm. uh, she becomes much more uh, has much more agency than right. she might appear to have, um, in the sense that she. She is uh, cheating on all three of these men. Um, right. But and, I, and also, what I'm saying is, is it also could be a situation where, you know, he's telling himself his own story mm. and he's one of those guys that just can't ever say that the blame lies with him. Uh, I think we've all known people like that. No matter what happens, somebody else did it. Somebody right. else's fault, you know. Yeah. And it feels like, you know, all the two different stories here can boil down to let's blame women. <laughs> it's, it's a kind of... Maybe. If that's the if that's what he's trying to go for, that's kind of a shitty message to send. But yeah, I, I realize there's more to it than that. I don't. I yeah, I don't. Look at I it. don't. I don't really read it that way. I read it as because again, what as we've established, what we're looking at is a movie where nobody is a good person. Right. Um. So uh, it wouldn't make sense for her to be a good person and everybody else to be a shit. Right. I agree. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it would have to be you know, and we the closest person we've got to a good person is the uh, is uh, Natasha Gregson Wagner. Who does very little in the film except basically tell Pete to go to hell, right? Um, and only tells Pete to go to hell after she finds out he's he's with Alice, right? Um, so I mean, to me, that there's still that element of punishment. Um, the the Ouroboros will repeat this over and over again. The story will always keep going. But what is Pete being punished for? Well, we don't know, right? Uh, okay. But I mean, he's already fell in with the wrong crowd. But I mean. We get That's that why I kind of think that Pete is the is the masculine fantasy of Fred because I mean you you go to him and immediately he's you know got a a girlfriend and a side chick and he's you know rocking it out in the bedroom or the back of a car, um, well, I which don't is think, the opposite of that. I don't um, think I, I don't entirely believe Pete is real anyway. I think Pete right. is already dead. Um, well, yeah, we see him. He's what, already he looks dead when you first meet him, and he gets better yeah. as the scenes progress. I mean, he's, uh, he's definitely, he definitely is Fred in another form. 
Um, Did you notice that when they showed Pete um, after this, as soon as they take him home, they show him in like a lawn chair out in the backyard, like the end of Blue Velvet? Yeah. <laughs> that was kind of cool. I don't know what it meant, but it was kind of cool. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, I think whatever uh, Pete, that's what I mean. I think at the end of the day, I keep coming back around to the idea that Pete already sealed his fate in some other way right. with the mystery man. The mystery man has him in his snares and it could have simply been, I and mean, we don't really get too much of an idea, but there seems to be an idea that he might've been a criminal uh, of some kind. He certainly doesn't uh, protest too heavily to Alice's plans of crime. No, uh, not, not in a way that a person who hasn't, you know, doesn't already have that in them. Not in the, yeah, not in a way that an innocent would react. If somebody, if somebody said that to me, and I'd be like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Get the hell out of here. Well, that's, what Lori, that's actually what Lori kept saying when we watched the movie. She's like, what the hell is this asshole doing? Why isn't he just, like, breaking up with her? Like, no, I, I, and I know people in Noir movies never know they're in Noir movies, so yeah. maybe he doesn't have that thing. But, I mean, if somebody told that plan to me, it's like, oh, I'm the patsy of this. I'm going to be the guy taking the fall for all this shit happening. Even you're going to get away scot free. Even before that, I think the right. second that Mr. Eddie shows up at my place of work and pulls out a gun. Yeah, that'd be me, enough. And tells me if I find out anybody's sleeping with my girlfriend, I will fucking kill them. Yeah. Um, would Not only would I call to... it off, I would move to the other side of the country. Exactly. And she calls <laughs> up and says, I can't see you tonight. He suspects we have to meet up and, and we have to meet up and come up with a plan. And I'm like, the plan is stop calling. Right, <laughs> um, Mr. Eddie, is, I'm going to call Sheila back, and I'm going to try to patch this up, and I'm going to yeah. live with, with yeah. somehow wholesome Gary Busey, and yeah, that's going to yeah. be my life for me. I'm not going to, yeah. I mean, because Mr. Eddie is, and and but then instead he just buys into it. But at the same time, you know, that same scene, she tells him like, you know, by the way, I was basically a prostitute, right? And he's upset by it. He, the yeah. idea that she was ever with another man in that capacity upsets him. Yeah. Yeah, I do think I do think that if there's something that's consistent with the character of Renee slash Alice, it's that at one time she was a prostitute. Hold on a second. Um, yep. Mm. Okay, See, go it's recording again. Yeah, we should be fine now. Do you, want to, do you know? Do you know where it stopped recording though, or just? Not exactly. Uh, just pick up where you right. left off, and we'll. Well, I was, you know, let's talk about like Renee slash Alice, because I think in both versions, it's established that, you know, she was a, a prostitute slash porn star slash yeah. paid party girl. Yeah. Um, so I think that aspect, if nothing else, of her character is probably true. Uh, you know, he probably, Fred maybe met her at a gig, you know, where she was hanging out with maybe Andy, uh, who later on, you know, he finds out was screwed her. Um, but for her character to turn into, you know, the femme fatale uh, in the other story, yeah, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of weird. Like, what? Why would you still be with this woman after you? It's already been established in a couple different ways that this is not going to end well. Right, Alice and Renee. Um, right. Uh, it, it's it, obvious Alice is real, so let's just call her Renee. I guess I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Renee. Yeah, I mean, okay, yeah, we have that idea that. Uh, I still keep coming back around to the idea that she's actually uh, an agent of this hell renewal thing. Yeah. It, uh, you know, I mean, like... So you think maybe both of them are from the Black Lodge, her and the Mystery Man, so to speak? Yeah, so to speak. Or she's... Yeah, I mean... Because he has... Like I said, he's mentioned it's the same universe, and I can't figure it out. I don't know what what he's talking about. I think it's all supposed to be the same idea, yeah. Like, right. Uh, I mean, technically, again, Bob didn't originate in the Black Lodge. 
Right. You know, um, you know, Bob and Mike were mystics, you know, yeah. living above a convenience store who figured out, you know, what was going on. Right. Um, and uh, so, I mean, like, it seems to be that's that seems to be the idea that in David Lynch's world, if, uh, if uh, particularly evil, uh, unfettered, un, un, untethered individuals right. sort of find magic. Um, and uh, when they do, they they're, yeah. become not human anymore. They become yeah, you don't, you don't see a whole lot of white magic in David Lynch's films. <laughs> Very little. It seems, you know, and it's, it's, it's not when it does happen, like with the giant and, and um, in Twin Peaks yeah. or the firemen, whatever you want to call them, depending on the season, um, it's not our characters reaching into that magical world to get that. It's them reaching out to go, Hey, we need to balance the scales. The, the bad guys are getting ahead of us. Yeah. Or, um, yeah it's kind of odd that they don't, there's never, I don't know if it means anything, but it's never, <laughs> I think never that the I, case. I think, I, I think that in David Lynch world, magic is, is exclusively an evil. Uh, right. And um, because I think, they, I think the counter argument for David Lynch would be like, love right. is white magic. Um, yeah compassion is white magic that's that's how you know that's how you beat it in theory if you can um and and oftentimes in david lynch you can't um but uh not not permanently yeah you can you can put it aside at least for a while i mean like yeah technically like inland empire has a seems to have a happy ending right um uh and then you know eventually agent cooper Mm -hmm. might win eventually Uh, we know he hasn't had pre- as of press time. Yeah, he has not had him. right. Um, but uh, it's uh, he's but maybe he will. Yeah. Um, you know, he and Laura might end up okay. Um, but I mean, yeah, right. and you know, entropy is a big part of his film, where you know, the, of his of his works, where you know, it's always there's always decay creeping in. There's always you know, yeah. madness or darkness creeping in um, because he feels like it's a necessary counterpoint. Mm. Um, but this one's unbalanced to me. It's just it you know, that's why it doesn't that's why it doesn't jive well. Uh, that's like like I mentioned, you know, on Twitter, and I might have mentioned it last week. You know, this is the one that I've seen the least outside of the one I haven't seen at all. Yeah. Um, but I've listened to the soundtrack like ten times more than I listened to any of his other soundtracks. So go figure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, I mean, yeah. I, I Lost Highway was one of those films, um, along with Wild at Heart, which is a movie that I've never particularly cared for. Um. Yeah. um it's, I have a complicated relationship with that film. Let's yeah, say. But uh, it's the one that I keep coming back around to every so often. I have to watch this movie again because maybe I missed something. Right. I don't like it because I'm, I'm out of sorts. I didn't get it. Right. Uh, so Lost Eye was one of those films that I keep being like, all right, I'm going to try this again. See if it right. works. And it never does. And, no. uh, but I keep coming no. back around to it. Um, obviously, we wanted to do it for, for At the Devil's Ball because we're, we're horror guys and lost right. is, uh, is, is one of lynch's more horror based films yeah um, and it's like we said it's one of the ones that's not recognized as much or talked about as much as you know, some of the other ones we're doing i mean and it has a it has a very complex uh, complex relationship with fandom as well i mean like, mm-hmm. i've met people that it's the only david lynch film they like right um, this was the first you know if you're exactly my age you know this is the first david lynch film i got to see at a theater you know mm-hmm. one of the last sadly because they only did what 
You only did a couple. Mulholland Drive the only, yeah. was the only one that came to a theater. I don't think Inland ever played near me. If it played at all in theaters, I certainly know it didn't play anywhere near me. I know right. it did. I know it got a limited release. I'm sure, but I don't think um, uh, it didn't get a much much of one. No, but um, but yeah, the this this basically it. Yeah, uh, he made Straight Story after this. Oh yeah, that was yeah. But I'm yeah. Lynch fans don't seem to have seen that very much, you know, ourselves included. Right. I'm going to do it by the end of this month. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to mention that I watched it. And if it plays into the conversation at all, we'll talk about it. But uh, I'm going to do it. I'm going to finally do it. Yeah, I I think I'm going to too. If it's on Disney Plus, there's no reason not to. Right. Uh, No excuse. Yeah. So I might as well check it out. Um, Because if I don't do it this month, it'll, you know, go into the back burner of my head and I'll not think about it again for a Yeah, it'll be another another year. Yeah. but yeah, so I mean, this movie, I've met people that it's like their only David Lynch film that they really like. Uh, and those people mm-hmm. were more or less like goth industrial people who really like the soundtrack. Right. Um, uh, and therefore, they like the aesthetic of it. Um, right. And then I've met people that, that have cl- claim it's the movie that proves David Lynch is a hack. I mean, I right. had a guy talk about like, you know, at a party once, a guy talking about David Lynch being like the worst. And I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. You know, and he was like, Lost Highway. Here's every reason why Lost Highway is a bad movie. And I'm like... Right. And I'm like, I, I don't know if I can disagree with you on Lost Highway. Yeah, um, I did. I did watch the. I try to sometimes watch the Siskel and Ebert reviews yeah. if, if I feel like it. And this one, they basically called him a hack and it, yeah. for this one. Yeah. Um, I don't agree with Siskel and Ebert. That's an opinion. Most of the time, it's just their opinions. And most of the time, right. it's their, at least one of them is usually wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So sometimes but, both, like in this case. Yeah. I mean, okay. So, like, it, it's a misfire, but he's not a hack. I don't know. No. I call it a misfire. I would I would claim it's more of a misfire. Like I said, this movie and the, and uh, I was gonna say, um, Wild Heart and Dune are probably the only films I can think of that aren't particularly great. Um, right. I I love Wild at Heart, uh, but it it's got some problems in the middle. Yeah, it's uh, been a and, while. And Dune and Dune, uh, well, Dune's just Dune. <laughs> you can't really count that against anybody, really. No, uh, it's not really his fault. Um, no. But no, I mean it's. Look, you can be a great filmmaker and have not great films. Yeah, it's um, it's and it's possible. Uh, yeah, but I mean, like, Lost Highway is that movie. I think that we, we've talked about it a couple times in the last two episodes about mm-hmm. a perception of Lynch, right? In the, in the common in the common world, people who aren't familiar with him, right? They seem to know, like, Lost Highway seems to be that movie that people know about, right? Um, and saw and so therefore it's well, like i said I, I was a really big movie when it came out i mean yeah and when i don't know what about, it made but it, it was it was there in the culture you know yeah and when they talk about david lynch being weird this mm-hmm. is the movie they're talking about right you know, or the dream uh, sequence from twin peaks you know yeah or the dream sequences from twin peaks yeah right. that's basically what most people know if they haven't bothered to watch the others work right um and if so, you watch twin peaks it's not that weird but um and this, you could watch it and still be like, "What yeah. the fuck? What the fuck is this?" Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. the best you can do is is grasp the straws like we did. Um, right. There are no, there are unlike I think unlike Mulholland Drive or Inland Empire or right. some of his other weirder work. There is no. This is one of those movies he doesn't teach you how to watch it for whatever right. reason. Um, and that's what I mean. I think it's something of a self-indulgent film, something of an experimental right. film. I don't think it's a successful one. Yeah. Um, I think it came back to a similar kind of experimental tact with you know better results in inland empire which we'll, we'll we'll be talking about that in at great length <laughs> yeah. yeah um and, and probably with more probably with more uh uh 
focus, I think. Yeah. I feel like yeah, it's hard. It's hard to, there's no through line for this really, other no. than, you know, our ideas of what it is. Yeah. We didn't even mention, you know, the great scene where, you know, Robert Loggia almost kills a tailgater for yeah. no reason. It's probably than... easily the best part of the movie. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. Eddie, Mr. Eddie pulls the guy over and starts beating, pistol whipping him and, Telling right, well, him explaining of road safety and how road safety and why, yeah, and why you need to, yeah, why you need to. Uh, um, tell me you'll get a manual. <laughs> tell me you're gonna get a fucking manual. Um, but yeah, oh, I mean, it's it's a great performance by Robert Loggia, um, yeah. and um, probably best known for his Minute Maid commercial. Um, you waited for me to drink coffee for to say yeah. that. One of my, it's it, if you haven't, <laughs> it's hilarious. If you were if you were watching this at home, if you're listening to this podcast, you haven't seen. Look it up on YouTube. Yeah. Robert Loja Minute Made. Um, it's, it's a wonderful commercial. It's that as makes, weird as anything David Lynch has ever made. That's for sure. <laughs> it's basically a kid doesn't want to. As a kid talking to his parents, his parents want him to drink his orange juice. The kid doesn't want to drink his orange juice, and they say it's good for you. And he's like, it's it's good. You'll like it. And he says, I don't believe you. And like, who would you believe? Right. And he says, I don't know, Robert Loja. And then for some reason, Robert Loja walks into the room and tells the kid to eat, drink his orange juice. Right. Because and, kids uh, love Robert Loja. It's just well, I don't fact. think, I, I think the commercial was not aimed at children. I think it was, no. I think it was aimed at an adult audience. People our age. Yeah. Um, this was the nineties, I believe. Right. So yeah, I think it was aimed at weirdo teenagers like us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> More maybe. Than anything. I think it was meant to, you know, it was meant to, to, parents to want to to buy minute maids for their kids i think right. and uh you know and then robert Lozier was meant to be because there's no way that wasn't intended to be hilarious right like right. it was supposed to be like you know because all these they, they play like weird tarantino music when he walks in and it's like yeah, but yeah. robert Lozier never worked with tarantino right um and wasn't i don't think he was particularly well known for playing mobsters um uh, i mean some playing heavies i mean yeah but i mean like so, there, but it was clearly meant to be like a Tarantino riff, but it right. was, you know, it wasn't John Travolta. It was, uh, yeah. you know, who at the time would have been in Pulp Fiction. Uh, Robert Loggia was Jackson. cheaper. It was Robert Loggia. Yeah. Right. Um, I hope if I ever get famous someday and I'm, I'm hired to be a uh, uh, spokesman, I want something random like Minute Maid. I want, I want like Band-Aids. Right. They're like, yeah. you know, or uh, like Band-Aids or uh, uh, toilet paper or something like i want something <laughs> right. that's like really stupid that i'd be like you know hey you should buy here's, this. here's nathaniel our new squeeze don't squeeze the charmin guy yeah, yeah, yeah. listen to, listen to your mother and get your charmin <laughs> hawks um <laughs> hawk uh which of course we're referencing uh right. bill corbett from riff Tracks yes. doing uh robert loja jokes from over from the top. over the top um, i was gonna wear my uh Hawk and Sons uh, boot uh, trucking company T-shirt for this, but it was actually dirty. It was in the it was in the dirty laundry already. So Hawk, yep, Hawks. Um, but yeah, uh, it, it's a it's a really strong performance from it. I think everybody's pretty good in this movie. I mean, yeah. Other, I mean, I'm not a big fan of you know the three main actors in it. You know, I'm not a fan of Patricia Arquette. I'm not a fan of Balthazar Getty, and I'm not a fan of Bill Pullman. I agree. Um, yeah. Balthazar Getty was freaking great in season three of Twin Peaks, though. I'll give him that. He yeah. was like doing the magic trick with the the dime and stuff. I was like, yeah. what the hell is going on here? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I read I read a little bit about Balthazar Getty. He got to start doing um, playing Ralph in the 1980s uh, Lord of the Lord of the Flies. And uh, yeah, yeah, uh, which is a great film. I never would have put those two things together. Um, but yeah, that was apparently Balthazar Getty, which is a great little film. But right. uh, but yeah, I guess that's about, about wrapping us up. Yeah. Um, any last uh, any last things you want to throw in there before we say our goodbyes? 
Uh, no, I think we, I think we pretty much covered it. Uh, yeah, not not his best work, uh, but it has it has its moments. It has its it's still got that vibe to it. It's got the Lynch yeah, vibe to it, which yeah. makes it watchable. Yeah, uh, I think if it wasn't done by Lynch, I would have not never watched the movie more than once. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, it as as a as a uh, as a showcase in Lynch's general style, right. it's worth seeing. Yeah, I believe uh, every piece of Lynch's work, Lynch's works, you know should be seen by Lynch fans and should work together outside of apparently a straight story, but we talked about that already. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, if you're a Lynch fan, you should try to check it out however you can. Yeah. I would recommend it too. In, uh, in the sense of, uh, uh, if you're going to watch, um, we like we didn't do it this way, mm-hmm. but I, I think that it'd be best to do last time we drive in the empire in order. Right. right. And I think that if you put the three of those together, you've got, you've got a really interesting progression of what Lynch was sort of working towards in the nineties, right. Early two thousands. Um, in terms of, in terms of completing an idea of what he wanted to do, uh, in conversation about identity and reality. Right. Um, lost highway is, uh, is I guess what you might call an interesting failure on the road Mm -hmm. to something stronger. Yeah, and or uh, even Twin Peaks season three is you know a lot of that's about identity. Yeah, a lot of that moves on to um, yeah that um, well, Twin Peaks uh, the return when we talk about Twin Peaks Firewalk mm-hmm. we'll talk a little bit about the return right. shore, which is the uh, culmination of those ideas I think. Right. Um, even though I still feel like Mulholland Drive is the best of those. Uh, yeah, I, I would say it's. But yeah, but lost we don't I don't think we get Mulholland Drive without Lost Highway. No, and. Um, Without Lynch making, I think what were probably some mistakes here, mm-hmm. we get a stronger film after. Um, yes, and um, so well, it's I like think, we said, he keeps coming back to the same ideas. He also, you know, if if something doesn't work the first time, he tries it again, and he usually pulls it off the second time or does a better job. Yeah, yeah. So make it let him uh, let him direct the next Star Wars movie or something. Maybe he'll <laughs> get Dune right. You know, right. he passed up Return of the Jedi to do Dune. Yeah, uh, it's pretty, well, it's there's pretty, no, pretty common knowledge now. But we yeah. also we all we always say there's no uh, there's no wrong answers, but either of those were wrong answers. <laughs> I think. Well, it would still be interesting. To, I still I still feel it like would it would been be an interesting, interesting failure. Yeah, I still think it'd be interesting to see a David Lynch like big budget movie. Right. See what he does with it. Um, but um, but yeah, it's not going to happen because they're not going to hand him. You know, they're not going to. No. God no, they're not. They never would, and they never hand him that kind of money again. Yeah, I mean, he's never point. made enough money to really, you know, for Hollywood to justify giving oh. him complete control. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that when we do Inland Empire too. Right, yeah. you know, he shoots that in DV because he couldn't get any money. Right. <laughs> so, uh, and then I think he kind of went that. Then I think he went. Hold on, you're. I think he said uh, he wanted to experiment. You know, but I'm like, I think it's probably because nobody would give you any money. Um, I think it's little, little column A, little column B. Yeah. You know? um, but yeah, nobody, uh, nobody will ever give him that kind of money to make a Return of the Jedi type thing. I mean, they gave him a lot of money for Twin Peaks the Return, so never say never. But well, well, know, that because that's that was threatened to walk TV. away. Yeah. Right. I mean, he literally, he literally threw down uh, the gauntlet and said, "I'll right. leave." If you, yeah, the rules for TV are different nowadays than the rules of uh, film, and you can take a lot more risks in t- in television nowadays. Yeah, you can. But uh, but yeah, so I guess that's uh, that about wraps us up for Lost mm-hmm. Highway, and uh, we'll be back next week with uh, I think with Inland. That'll be yes. our next one. 
Um, and uh, anything, any last words you want to put in there before I uh, do our, our sign off? No, I think, I think we're good. I think we covered as much as we can really get into on this film. <laughs> yep. So uh, as usual, uh, I am Nathaniel. And I am Sam Al. And this is At the Devil's Ball, where we talk about uh, horror, horror films. Generally, I guess now, I guess we're not going to really... I, I saw somebody the other day talking about uh, that horror adjacent was like gatekeeping, and I'm like, is it really? But okay. Well, I, I always, I've always said I think horror is a huge tent, and you can it's put a, almost anything in it. Tent, yeah. yeah, right. But I mean, I, but I feel like if you wanted to use that, that terminology, I, I use the term to, to sort of talk about stuff like David Lynch. Right, I use when I use fall into the category. Yeah, when I use a horror adjacent, I think of films that are not you know marketed as horror first. Right, hocus uh, pocus. Yeah. Po- uh. <laughs> um. <sighs> All right. <laughs> but anyway, uh, we true we, though uh, it's true. And, I, you're right. We're, yeah, but we're we're also kind of branching out uh, a little bit here with David Lynch that we're we, mm-hmm. but we'll do uh, but uh, horror involved. Uh, yep. Kind of horror, whatever you what, whatever term you want to use. Yeah, we're not going to do the Notebook, but you know that's no, no, not the Notebook. <laughs> Unless but, we want to talk about the horrific ramifications. Uh, no, nah, nah. But uh, but yeah, uh, the the genre is broad. But yeah, um, but we try to talk about films in a positive and constructive manner and uh, provide some analysis, and that's what we do. Um, and so, thank you very much for watching as usual and or listening as usual. If you're not watching anything. And uh, and we'll see you on down the road, down the down the lost highway of life. Um, I'm gonna edit that out. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so, thank you very much. Good night. And Dick Laurent is dead.